Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Praise God. All right, let's pray and get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray today that light and understanding will come into your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So we started out this topic on Wednesday and the Holy Ghost led us in a different direction which I think was effective. Let's go back to that scripture, Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. Let's just... Uh, make sure that we're following because what I'm teaching will be a bit technical so just make sure you follow and you pay very close attention in Luke 24 verse 44 and I, we did explain that very strongly last Wednesday on the fact that the whole of scriptures uh, is referring to Christ leading up to the knowledge of Christ Luke 24 44 now he said to them these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, <clears throat> that all things, how many things? All. all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophet and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So we find out that everything that was written in the prophets and the Psalms were written in fulfillment of Jesus. What that means is that Jesus is the ultimate plan of God. Praise the name of the Lord. From Genesis chapter 1 and uh, Genesis chapter 2, after the fall of man, you would realize that Christ became the substance of God's agenda. Because it talks about the seed of the woman that would bruise the head of the serpent. And the, the, the declaration about Jesus Christ being our kinsman redeemer. Started all the way from Genesis. And so the whole of scriptures points to Jesus. In as much as we would try to apply certain scripture in terms of practicality for finance and everything. If we look very deep into scriptures, we realize that everything is pointing to Christ. Including the book of Revelation. Praise God. I said including which book? The book of Revelation. Let me just say something there quickly. This one is free, it's not part of the study, but let me show you something. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. What does it say? Come on, everyone. What does it say? The revelation of who? Is it the revelation of the beast? Revelation of the Antichrist? Revelation of the second coming? Revelation of who? Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his born servant <clears throat> the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his born servant John. So the book of Revelation is actually a book of Christ. So the lens with which we read scriptures is the lens of Christ. We must see scriptures from what we call a Christocentric point of view, that is, a Christ centered point of view. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so today, knowing that, we want to look at the concept of the Sabbath. So we're looking at what we call the true Sabbath of God. Now, you have uh, people who feel, if you worship on Saturday, that's the true Sabbath. Uh, that's Saturday, right? 
And then you also have people who say when you worship on Sunday, people like us, we are the ones that are really celebrating the Sabbath. Until you get a job in Dubai and realize that Sunday is a work day in Dubai and Friday is when they go to church because that's when they go to mosque. So I remember one time we were on a family holiday in Dubai and I'd seen this church and, we, and I planned that we were, we were going to go to that church. So, uh, so on Saturday we were ironing clothes and meanwhile service was finished one day ago. <laughs> and on Sunday morning you came out and realized that people were going to work So you see the very fact that when you move to another country The concept of the Sabbath does not hold Simply already tells us that the Sabbath is not a natural thing Am I right? So let's go very slowly If we say the Sabbath is a Saturday And that's what the whole scripture is talking about The day it means that if anybody in Dubai or in any other country worship in any day apart from Saturday, that means they are not observing the Sabbath. Am I right? But we realize that there are other places where worship takes place, where even the Sunday they go to work. So what is the natural Sabbath teaching us? It's teaching us, in summary, this is the summary of the message, the Sabbath, the seventh day that God rested, is teaching us about Entering the perfect rest of Christ as a new creation man. That's the summary of the Sabbath. And that is why when Jesus came, he did everything to do miracles on the Sabbath because he finally concluded that Sabbath was not made for, uh, the man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. Praise God. Are you still here? Okay. So, uh, where do we start from now? The word Sabbath means to rest or to cease from, to desist from exertion, to repose, like an intermission, to rest. Now we observe in the Old Testament that you have the Sabbath day, then you have the Sabbath week, which are the period was seven days period. Leviticus 23 verse 15 to 16. You find that there. And then you have the Sabbath year. Which was Leviticus 25 verse 1 to 7. So you had that Sabbath week. You had that Sabbath year. And the Sabbath was so respected. In such a way that. If you profane the Sabbath. If you cook on the Sabbath. Or if you do any work on the Sabbath. You were actually sentenced to a death penalty. You were killed if you do anything on the Sabbath. And the Jews till today still observe the Sabbath like that. Most of our cameras in church. The video camera we buy from um, a Jewish workshop. Uh, a Jewish store. There is nothing spiritual about it. It's just that it's cheaper there. Okay, so we're not buying because they are Jews. We just buy because it's cheaper and they have a lot of discounts. So maybe we can buy a camera and they'll give lens for free. And the last time we wanted to order a second set of camera, we ordered it on a Friday night, getting into the Sabbath. And we realized that they put it there clearly. On the Sabbath day, even their online shop do not work. That is how strict they keep the Sabbath. It was online, but they will not function. They will not send any shipment. Nothing will work there. 
And because they took it as a very serious law. Now, just to put that there, if you're writing down, if you do not observe the Sabbath, things that can happen to you, death penalty, that's the profanity of the Sabbath, Exodus chapter 31, verse 14. You can find it there. In Exodus chapter 35 and verse 2, you can find it there. In Numbers chapter 15 and verse 32, you can also find it there. Now, one of the purposes, I'm just giving you a summary, I'm going to go through the scripture. One of the purposes in which God gave them the Sabbath was to give them a day of rest and worship. was a day of rest and worship. Jesus was criticized uh, in the gospel six times concerning the Sabbath. Because he performed six miracles on the Sabbath day. The first miracle was the fact that uh, they said he broke the Sabbath by picking grain and eating. On the Sabbath day, you're not supposed to do anything. In fact, on the Sabbath day, you're not supposed to cook. You're supposed to cook a day before the Sabbath. Because they consider cooking as work. So in Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 to 8, they accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath because he picked grain and ate, you know, disciples. Uh, the healing of the man with a withered hand, Matthew chapter 12, verse 9 to 14. Matthew chapter 12, verse 9 to 14. Heal the man, the withered hand. The crippled woman, Luke chapter 13, verse 10 to 14. So we're looking at the healings that Jesus did on the Sabbath that the people were not comfortable with. Six cases. The man with dropsy, Luke chapter 14, verse 1 to 6. The sick man by the pool of Bethsaida, John chapter 5, verse 1 to 18. The blind man in John chapter 9. The healing of Peter's mother-in-law in Mark chapter 1 verse 29 to 31. Mark chapter 1 verse 29 to 31. The healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And one of the doctrines of a Catholic church is that P- uh, Peter was the first pope of the church. Uh, if Peter was the first pope of the church and Peter had a mother-in-law, what that means is that the first pope of the church got married. So that's not true. When Jesus told Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, he was not referring to Peter as a person. He was referring to the revelation of Jesus that Peter got. That on the truth that Jesus is the son of the living God, that's going to be the foundation of the church. He wasn't referring to the man. Because the church of Jesus cannot be built on any man. It has to be built on Christ, who is the foundation. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? I can't hear you. Are you still here? Alright. So like I keep saying, some of these things that we study in church, they're not... They're, they're to help your awareness and understanding of God's word. Right? They're not... Many places to say amen, there are not many places to say I receive, <coughs> so it can be a bit boring, but just open up and just learn the scriptures, and you'll begin to find reading of scriptures interesting, studying of scriptures very interesting. So let's go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 2 as we commence and look at the true Sabbath of God. Genesis chapter 2 verse 2, by the seventh day God completed his work. Which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Now we understand the story of creation, and how God created the whole earth. 
Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. So I'm just going to ask a couple of questions and I'll answer them myself. So I'll ask myself the questions and I'll give the answers. And so that's the pattern I want to use in this study. Matthew chapter... Where does it go to? Matthew chapter 11. Alright. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So observe that word, rest. The true Sabbath of God or the true rest of God. The word there, come to me, and all who are weary, the Greek rendering of that word is all who walk to exhaustion. You walk to a place where you are exhausted. That's what it means there. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And, look at the next phrase, you will find rest for what? Your souls. So observe the point of rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And you move on to chapter 12. It starts talking about the Sabbath. Remember how I told you, you can read scriptures. Take out all the chapters and the verses and just read. So when you go on there, at that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry, he and his companions? How he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, not for those with him, but for the priest alone. Or have you not read in the law? That on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent. But I say to you, something greater than the temple is here. This, and, and I'm going to say a couple of things in this Bible study. This very scripture negates the reason why a Christian in the 21st century should not be contributing money to build a temple in Jerusalem. That when Jesus comes, he's going to land in Jerusalem. Doesn't make biblical sense. Because Jesus said that something greater than the temple is here. And God doesn't dwell in temple made with hands. Because in church history, AD 70, the Romans entered into Jerusalem. It's what they call the abomination of dissolution. They went into the temple and broke down the temple. Every brick of the temple was broken down. According to the words of Jesus in Mount Olivet. Right. And we cannot today be contributing to build a natural temple. For God do not dwell in temple made with hands. That physical temple that was built, the tabernacle that was built either by Moses and by uh, David and all of those temples that was built was pointing to the fact that man was going to become the habitation of God again. For God lives in us, dwells in us. And we are now the temple of the living God. Praise the name of the Lord. The challenge is this, humans like something they always see, you know, they want something they can relate with, they want something they can touch, are you following that? Because that's, it makes more sense, if I tell you the Holy Spirit is in you, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't connect with it, 
But if I come and say, well, this is a mustard seed from Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit became a mustard seed and I put some in bottles, the fact that you can see it and touch it, it makes it easy. Your faith connects. You know, but that's the Thomas kind of faith. That's the faith that touches before it believes. You know, but the God kind of faith believes. Praise God. Without sin. Amen. Okay. So we've read those two scriptures. Can the Sabbath of Genesis 2-2 be termed a weekly Sabbath? If we go to Genesis 2-2 again. Can we say that this is something that just had to do with a day in the week? Is that really God's ultimate intention? By the seventh day, God completed His work, which He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He had done. Right. So can, we, can the Sabbath of Genesis 2-2 be termed a weekly Sabbath? The answer is no. Uh, why can it not be termed the weekly Sabbath? You observe that all other days had evening and morning for the six days. But on the seventh day, there was no mention of evening and morning. Scriptures are silent about that. Why was the scripture silent about that? Because it was showing us a greater truth. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 5. God called the light and the darkness. He called night. Called the light day and the darkness he called light. And there, and there was evening and there was morning one day. Go to verse 8. God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning a second day. Go to verse 13. There was evening and there was morning a third day. Go to verse 19. There was evening and there was morning. Was that the fourth Day. Then quickly go to verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was a very good it was very good. And there was evening, and here was morning, the sixth day. Read on. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. He rested on the seventh day. From all his work which he had done. Verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because he needed rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is the account of the heavens. So we find that there is a very uh, obvious omission of the morning and the evening. The evening and the morning. Now, it was because God was trying to point something to us. Now, I'm not saying there are not seven days in a week. I'm just saying that the true meaning of Sabbath has nothing to do with a Sunday, a Saturday, or a Friday. It's showing something greater. There's a message that God wants to pass to us. You know, and I, and I want to challenge you. Take time again to read the scriptures. You know, when we talk about the sin that Adam committed, what comes to your mind readily? Right? About the fruits. What comes to your mind? Like apple, right? <laughs> or let's bring a picture of the devil. That we're used to. You know, we got this picture of the devil with the fur and the tail and the black, uh, black, what is that? Is that Kadinga? Or black pajamas? And then, what is that? Kovaro. <laughs> and then, what's the picture of angels that we have? White with two wings, and during Christmas time, they always overeat. So, Christmas angels are always bulky. Right. <laughs> Chubby angels. <laughs> I 
over time, you start reading that into the Bible. Do you realize that pastors are called angels? When God was writing to the seven churches in Asia, I was addressing their pastors. So when he wrote to the angels of the church in Sardis, the word is angelos, to the messenger of the church in Sardis. They didn't have wings. I'm the angel of this church. (laughs) Are you following what I'm saying? Because the word angel just means messenger. Are you, are you following this? That's why if you, if you don't renew your mind, when you dream, you will begin to see things and say God showed you. The, the truth of the matter is that God can communicate to you in a language you understand. And so some of those understanding is God. For instance, if an angel appears to me, he will not appear with wings. Because that's not my understanding. Are there angels that have wings? Yes. But I'm not saying that all angels have wings. You you know, I'm just trying to say, let's read the Bible again. That's the summary of what I'm trying to say. Right? Let's read it again and let's read it very patiently. Because how do we find out? I will talk about that. It's like I'm entering my Sunday message and coming back. But how do we find out how Satan tempted Eve? Paul tells us that he beguiled Eve in her mind. He didn't mention apple. It's pastors that say it was apple. Partook of the fruits. Okay. Alright, let's leave that. Why did God... Okay, so, number three question. If God is spirit, does God have to rest? John 4.24 tells us that God is spirit. <laughs> so why was God resting? If God is spirit, does God have to rest? The answer is No. God doesn't have to rest. So it means God was saying something. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's, it's, it's like God was teaching something stronger. And that's why a lot of people don't study the Old Testament. If you, if you observe a lot of believers, they don't study the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's almost like a disconnect. They cannot connect it. And you have to be very studious to connect it. But why, what they do, which is very funny, you find people who don't study the Old Testament... They focus a lot on the New Testament, but when they want to pray, they now go to the Old Testament to collect Hasidic prayers. You know, so it's not consistent. It's not, do you understand what I'm saying? They, they go back to the Old Testament. So, you, so, I mean, all of us sit there here, and I grew up, I grew up under this atmosphere. <laughs> I was telling someone the other day, when the Lord began to really lead me and kind of establish me in the teaching ministry, one of the instructions that I got from the Lord was, I mean, this is personal, it's not, I'm not teaching the Bible, I'm not, this is just me, was to win myself all Christian television. So for five years, I didn't watch any Christian television. I was just studying the Word. Because some things you believe are things you have heard over time. So they have transferred oral traditions. Right? Let's say, for instance, the three wise men. You know, they were not three wise men, Right? The Bible just mentioned wise men. You know, some of you took time. In fact, the day you described you were not three, it was like revelation. Wow! But it's always been there. But somebody read three, three into it, and over time, right? There are simple scriptures like that. I mean, there was one scripture that I was studying now. Precious is the death of a saint. We read that and we think like, oh, when a saint dies, it's very valuable in God's eyes. No. 
Go and read all the translations. It's King James that puts it that way. Sometimes multiple translations will just help believers. But they want to die with King James. And that's why, if you observe, even as, as, as a church, if you observe, sometimes every year I change the translations I used to teach. How many of you remember three years ago I was teaching with the Amplified? Right? The last two years I taught with the New King James. How many of you observe this year I'm teaching with the New American Standard Bible? Yeah. This is a brand new, I'm still struggling to use iPad and the rest. This is a brand new Bible. So I, why do I do that? Because it just helps me to get an idea of the various translations. And it helps me to be able to understand scripture a lot better. Praise God. So if God is spirit, does God have to rest? Let's go to Psalm 121. Psalm 121 and verse 3 to 4. Psalm 121 and verse 3 to 4. So for those of you who buy Bibles that I'm using to teach, be ready to buy new translations every year. <laughs> Psalm 1 to 1 verse 3 to 4. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor what? Sleep. So we realize that God does not slumber and God does not sleep. So he would really not require rest in that sense that we see rest. Praise God. Okay. Why did God give Israelites the weekly Sabbath? Deuteronomy chapter 5. Why did God give Israelites the weekly Sabbath? Deuteronomy chapter 5. And uh, let's look at verse 3 here. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 3. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, with all of those who are alive here today. Go to verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave. Okay, let's read from verse 14. But the... Verse 12. <laughs> Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord had, your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. So that your male servant or your female servant may rest as well as you. See God was concerned about those who served them. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. And let's look at verse 9 to 11. When, for you have not as come to the resting place and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. When you cross the Jordan and live in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. And he gives you rest from all your enemies around you so that you live in security. Then it shall come to pass 
About that place in which the Lord your God will choose for his name to dwell there, you shall bring all I command you, your bond offerings, your sacrifice, your tithes, and the contribution of your hand, and all your choice votive offerings which you will vow to the Lord. Why do the Lord give them a weekly Sabbath? It's for them to rest their physical bodies. Because they were slaves. And so it was a holy day of worship and of rest. It was a holy day of worship and of rest to the children of Israel. Right. Was the Jewish Sabbath the true rest of God for his people? Was that the true rest of God? Was that something that God saw as the ultimate rest for his people? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 8. Ah, thank you Lord. Okay, Hebrews 4 verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. Can you observe that? It says if Joshua has, we just read that in Deuteronomy, that if Joshua has actually given them rest, God would not have spoken of another Sabbath. What was that? We need to read from verse, let's go up to verse 1. And we'll stop at verse 10 or 11. Therefore let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have had the good news preached to us, just us, as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, thou shalt not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. And again in this passage, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day, saying, today, saying through David after so long a time, just as he had been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest, I himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. So we realize from this scripture very clearly that what Joshua offered the people was not the ultimate rest that God was offering. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, let's go to Hebrews 10.1. Am I right? Let's look at this quickly. Hebrews 10.1. For the Lord since It has only a shadow of the good things to come. And I needed to observe that. That the Lord is a shadow of the good things to come. And how many of you know the Sabbath was under the Lord? Right. Are you you following me? The Sabbath was under the law. So it means that the Sabbath, the the physical day, now we're talking about the physical day, was a shadow of something more. Of something stronger. Of something more important to God. Okay. For the Lord, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. 
Now, we're talking about the sacrifice of Jesus. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So, when we ask ourselves, was the Jewish Sabbath the true rest of God for his people? The answer is no. It was merely a shadow of a type. God used that physical day, praise God, as a shadow of his true rest. He used that physical day as a shadow of his true rest. Now, did the children of Israel truly enter the rest of God? The answer is no also. If you look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 to 18, you will observe that they did not enter the true rest, even though they entered into Canaan. Hebrews three fifteen to 18, it says, uh, while it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom, and with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was he not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were not able to enter the rest because of unbelief. So it means that they did not enter. They were not able to get into the rest. We can also see Hebrews chapter 4 verse 6 to 8 saying the same thing. That the children of Israel did not get into the rest. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. Hebrews 4 8. Let's go to Psalm 95 verse 11. Psalm 95 verse 11. Understanding the true Sabbath of God. Psalm 95 verse 11. Therefore I swear in my anger, truly they shall not enter into my rest. So we observe from both the Old and the New Testament that the children of Israel did not truly enter into the rest that God has for them. The, the Bible says that God is still at work. Even though God had rested. Do we also see the scripture talk about God still in the process of creating? And the answer is yes. John 5.17 John chapter 5 and verse 17 Don't worry, in part 2 it will become clearer. Just follow. Like some of you are saying, so exactly what are we doing today? <laughs> John chapter 5 verse 17 Praise God. John 5, 17. But he answered, My father is working until now. And I myself am working. Who is his father? God. If you don't know the father of Jesus, he send you to the next class. Who is his father? So we can replace father with God. Am I right? So we say, My God is working until now. And I myself am working. So while Jesus was alive, was God working? Okay. 
Galatians 6.15 I hope that phone doing that way is not your Bible <laughs> It's amazing, you just carry Bible to church And it's your phone and then there's low battery In the middle of the teaching What do you do? Like borrow me your phone, my Bible just went off Galatians chapter 6 and verse 15 <laughs> Galatians 6.15 Am I right? Okay. Galatians 6.50 For neither is circumcision anything (laughs) nor all circumcision but a new creation. So we see that there is a new creation. We see that there is a new creation. Essentially, the work, summary, the work that God was working while Jesus was alive was the process of creating the new man in Christ. To give him the rest of being one with God. That's the true rest. To be free from the bondage and the yoke of religion. And come into the truth and the freedom and the rest that is found in Christ. So the work that God was working in the days of Jesus. Was not just the miracles, the signs and wonders. God was in Christ. Reconciling the whole world to himself. It was the work of the new creation. It's neither the circumcision nor uncircumcision matters. And that's why today sometimes I feel very ashamed the way believers talk about the Jews. Those people don't believe in Jesus. They don't. And you know people just go to to Jerusalem and come back and want to tell you, well, they went to Jerusalem, they got baptized, where Jesus was baptized, they put their feet where Jesus worked. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, It's a good place to go, just connecting scriptures. But you know, when the Jews see us the way we do things, they are happy. Because to them, it's tourism. And somebody say, well, pastor, are you preaching replacement theology? No, I'm not preaching replacement theology. I'm just saying that what avails to God right now is the new man in Christ. God sees you with the same value that he sees the Jew. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The same value. Because it's the same blood. When a man believes in Christ, he is now a new man in Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. I know Christians are very funny. And why I say Christians are very funny is the fact that they want to go this way. But if you tell, if you, if you really want us to keep the law the way it was, none of us will survive. Let's even talk about the tithes, for instance. People think the tithe is just 10%. I've taught you here before. Go listen to that message. The totality of their tithe was 23%. There were three kinds of tithes. There was a tithe for the priest, a tithe for the storehouse, a tithe that you ate with orphans and widows. It wasn't the same tithe. They have to give your first fruit offering, your peace offering. Praise God. They have to keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath day, those of you who are doing weekend program, you can't go to school because it's the Sabbath. Can't travel on the Sabbath. If you, had a, if you had a pilot who was a Jew on the Sabbath, he couldn't fly the plane. Saturday will be granted. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? By the age of 12, you should have learned the five books of Moses. Most of us can hardly quote two memory verses. 
And those are very good practices that are supposed to be in church, that we grow up and we live. Most of us seated here today, if I ask you which verse of the scripture do you remember, it will be the memory verse you learned when you were in Sunday school. How many of you can remember that? Yeah, you realize that in your old age you have not memorized any scripture. No, it's true. I mean, I can't, except you are deliberate, every scripture you remember was what was taught to you in Sunday school. Do I have a witness? Or you have even forgotten the Sunday school? <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? So do you know what was happening? God knew that that was the age you could catch everything. So what they did was to load their brain with the book of Moses. The law, the Torah. By age 12, they were versed in the law. Why by age 12 here we are singing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. This little. We know more Barney than, than Moses. I wonder. I, this is why the average Christian cannot speak with a Muslim. No idea. Muslims are indoctrinated. They don't come to, to, those, to the mosque like we come to church. I'll say that. They don't come to receive miracles. They come to learn the Quran. They come with an attitude of a learner. When a Muslim is going to the mosque, am I right? Yeah. They are going to learn what Allah says about the Quran. When you are coming to church, you are coming to receive. I receive. I receive. So there is not a mind of a learner. How many of you have notes today? You know, you can ask with your phone. You are fine. Ah, church, I'm going to church. Your phone, ah, I've, I've downloaded the e-version. It, that's the, it, you know, that's the callousness with which we come to Christianity. And that's why you discover that when those guys have been indoctrinated concerning you, even when somebody knows that he's going to die by committing suicide bombing, his whole family will rejoice and say he has done a service for Allah. Do you understand? It is knowledge. And until we restore the church back to a place of learning, we'll keep having issues. And that's why we fight ourselves. They didn't greet me. I don't understand what is going on. Church, you have love. They say we have love. We don't understand the love in my former church. It's because we are tired people. We are, we are just tired. So any little thing we quarrel. Are you understand? And then when you are teaching, you say teaching is too long. That today, comprehension is 45 minutes. After 40 minutes, psychologists... Is it psychologists that created you or God that created you? It's not that your comprehension is 45 minutes. You have decided after 45 minutes, it is too long. So you switch off. It's not a psychology problem. Go and read the book of Ezra. The Bible says from morning to midday, they were reading the law. Their wives, their children. In fact, you were not permitted to come into the synagogue without your child. That's why Jesus went with them to the feast. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Judaism was indoctrination. It was when Christianity went to America. That they began to add lights. You know, add lights, add stage, add camera, reduce the time. Add lights, add stage. You do kingdom dance. You do celebrating dance. You, you do basketball in church. You know, they just, you know, because it was a culture of let's make it comfortable. You know, these things I'm teaching now, we are teaching true Sabbath of God. Few chapters. We'll do it for four Sundays. When do we now cover things in scripture? It's about ten years. We have not even finished scripture. And that's why when Paul was teaching, he would teach from morning till evening. He would say, were they not going to work? They were going to work. 
But when it was the Sabbath, it was a day of learning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They would learn. And it's not like a tea break, there was tea break, take small coffee. No, 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 no. If somebody died, they raised the person up and then they continued teaching. They didn't even allow the person to share his testimony. That, you know, praise the Lord, when I died, I was entering a step and I saw somebody, the person I said, come back, come back, it's not your time. No, no, they just threw the guy aside. And, and you know, before the guy heard message until he died, the guy was tired. <laughs> it was like, oh, you're in the message, you're in the message, and bam, the guy was dead. Paul raised him. They didn't give him the microphone. I'm sure people warned him that, you see, that's your death. It cost us almost 20 minutes of not hearing the word. If you die again, we will kill you. you understand? Okay, so where are we? <laughs> so God is still working. What, was, what work was God doing while Jesus was alive? It was not just the miracles, it was not just the signs, it was not just the wonders. God was in the process of creating again the new creation. The process of creating you and I. So let me give you a small clue. You now understand when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Where I am, you might be, you might be there also. What was that preparation? Death, burial, and resurrection. Where is Jesus? It's at the right hand of the Father. Where are you? You're seated with Christ on the right hand of the Father. He wasn't talking about building cement. Okay. Psalm 102. <laughs> God cannot give you an eternal reward with a block house. A block house is not eternal. Psalm 102, verse 12. (laughs) You know, sometimes our dreams and our visions are product of our trainings. Psalm 102, verse 18. Are you there? 102, verse 18. 1, 8. Are you there? This will be written... Look at this. For a generation, for the generation, I'm sorry, for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. What people is he talking about here? Which people will yet be created? He's talking about us. Here, David as a prophet was speaking about the generation that was to come. What generation is this? The Christ generation. The generation of the new creation. This is exactly what the scripture speaks about when it says that Abraham and the prophets of old were looking to see our day. They've never seen any man recreated in Christ. Now let me say this. I hope by now... This statement should be very simple here. You realize nobody was born again until Jesus rose from the dead. So you realize the disciples were not even born again. They couldn't be born again. Because the process of being born again is acknowledging Jesus as Lord. And he had not died. So that is why the New Testament actually starts from the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are the Gospels. Which are the historical recordings of Jesus and the acts that he did. Why? Because a testament cannot start until the test uh, until the testator dies. So until Jesus died, the new testament could not kick off. 
And the disciples struggled with teaching the truths of the New Testament. That's why God had to raise Paul. So that Paul can teach the truths of the new creation. And he was the one man who never stayed with Jesus physically. But he's the one man who had more revelation of Jesus. To tell us that you don't need to see Jesus physically. For you to have a revelation of him. That even Peter said the writings of Paul. So my interpreting it to their own destruction. So I'll give you another example. Just give me five minutes. When Peter, when God wanted Peter to preach to Cornelius, do you see the resistance Peter got? God gave him a basket of fish. Right. And that's why sometimes, I, I know I promised to teach it more than four years now, but I'll try to teach dreams and interpretation of dreams. Because some of you just dream, and you see your grandmother's face, and then you will start harassing the woman. <laughs> you know. But Peter, sometimes if God wants to speak to you, he speaks to you in the, in, with, with people who are close to you, or the authority they represent in your life. So when you see their face, it has nothing to do with them. It's God communicating to you the authority that was represented in their life. It's like when Joseph saw the sun and the moon and the stars bowing, his father had to give the interpretation. Most of us dream and we take it at literal value, and it will cost you a lot of problems. It will cost you enmity, it will cost you all kinds of things. But then, uh, who was I talking about? Peter, yeah. The fish came down. The, the whole animal came down. What did Peter tell Jesus? These animals are unclean. I cannot eat them. And what did the Lord reply to Peter? Come on now. What did the Lord reply to Peter? What I have called clean, do not call unclean. What was the Lord saying? The Gentile nation were referred to as unclean by the Jews. And now God was about to send Peter to Cornelius. And Peter is going to see Cornelius as unclean. And God is saying, listen, the man that I have redeemed, you cannot call unclean. That was the whole vision. But if you had an unclean fish dropped in your vision, in your vision tonight, and you go and tell the pastor, what's going to happen? Ah, they have started. Unclean fish. Hey, unclean spirits. Ah. <laughs> uh. God will help us. Alright, so God is still at work. You can write Psalm 22 verse 29. Let me just wrap up. What exactly is God creating now? What is He working on now? Psalm 104 verse 30. Psalm 104 verse 30. You sent forth your spirit. They are created. And you renew the face of the ground. You sent forth your spirit. And they are created. Psalm 102 verse 18. These will be written for the generation to come. That the people yet to be created will praise the Lord. Let's look at Psalm 22. I mean, see how David speaks of the new creation fluently. Fluently. Psalm 22. Verse 29. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow. Before him, even he who cannot keep his soul alive, posterity will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. He wasn't just talking about new children or new kids that will be born. He was in all of David's proclamation, he was speaking about degeneration. And what generation is that? It's the new creation. A generation of people who have become one with Christ. 
Isaiah 53 verse 8. I'll just give you a lot of scriptures and then we wrap up. Isaiah 53 verse 8. Are you learning something tonight? Say amen if you are. Alright. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. <laughs> this was talking about uh, Jesus now. Right. Now, I, I, I want you to see something. Do you realize... Do you realize how all the prophets, how David speaks of the new creation, how Isaiah speaks of the new creation, almost in parables. Right. Let's read this now. Isaiah 53 verse 8. We can start reading from verse 7. Oh, well, let's start reading from verse 7 because of time. Yet, he was oppressed and afflicted. Right. Now, yet he did not open his mouth. Who was he talking about? Jesus. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is silent before his sharer. So he did not open his mouth. Verse 8. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation. Which generation he's talking about? Generation of Christ. And this generation will never be possible until Christ has gone to the grave. And resurrected. Uh, and for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence and all of that. Let's go to verse 10. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. He will render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. So you cannot use the word workmanship if somebody is not working. Right? Come on, right? Workmanship is because somebody is working, right? For we are his workmanship. What? Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand so we would walk in them. So we are that workmanship. We are that generation. We are the offspring of Jesus. We're the ones who came from his death, burial, and resurrection. We are the ones that God was working on while Jesus was on the earth. That was what Jesus was talking about. That's what Jesus was preaching. That was what Jesus was declaring. Praise the name of the Lord. Ephesians 4.24 And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in what? Righteousness and in holiness of the truth, created in righteousness. Colossians 3.10 And I put on the new man, who has been renewed to a true knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him. So what's the answer? What exactly is God creating or working on right now? It's a new creation of God's people in Christ. And now is the rest that Jesus was offering. He wasn't just offering rest from physical labor. He was offering rest from the bondage of, of Jewish religion. He was offering rest from Judaism. He was offering rest from the works of the Lord. That we come into a place in Christ where we can serve Him in spirit and in truth. And the rest of God on the seventh day typifies... The true rest that man finds when he comes in actual union and contact with Jesus. I'll tell you something. When you find Christ, 
you will find this rest for your soul. The agitations of life will be reduced. The hustle and the bustle of life, the anxieties, trying to get back at each other, the bitterness that won't go, the offense. If you truly come in union with Christ. And listen, I'm not telling, because then people say this, that, oh, where I found Christ, I have not found organized religion. It's not about church, it's not about me and Jesus. You can't, you can't eat your cake and have it. The church is God's idea. The local church is God's idea. You can't wish it away. Praise the name of the Lord. But this is the true rest. So next Wednesday we'll continue and we'll finish up this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for revelation and insight, for understanding into your word. And I pray in the name of Jesus that light and understanding will come. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.